Hello, everyone. Welcome to Jaffa Takes, or wait, uh, Jaffa Takes. Wait, uh, we have a Free. problem now. <laughs> Cree, yeah. Cree, everyone. Uh, welcome to, let's say Jaffa Takes, because it, 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 like, it sells the pun a little better, uh, which does. is a Stargate Rewatch podcast that we're starting right now. Uh, I'm your host, Simon. Uh, by the way, sending it, saying it right now, this is how I say it in like French-Canadian. You can call me Simon. It's fine. I don't care. Um, and uh, so, so I decided to start a Stargate Rewatch podcast from because I'm on this other Rewatch podcast for Power Rangers called Teenagers with Attitude, which you should listen to if you don't already. And we got to the start of Lost Galaxy, and I, I, I watched like the first couple episodes of that. And I was like, man, they go to this planet and meet these like forest people and their soldiers and stuff. This reminds me a lot of Stargate, and I my my brain kind of spiraled from there and went all the way to I should start a Stargate rewatch podcast with some people. And then I thought it was going to be a stupid idea, and I put it out on Twitter, and it turns out like seven different people answered that they wanted to be on it. And I have two of those on here with me today. So here's where we are. Uh, so joining me today, I have Kavika. Hello. Hi. And there's M. Hello. So you two are part of a, like a rotating cast that we're going to have, I guess, because we have more people that like couldn't be here today but might be on in later episodes it's not going to be always the same uh cast every episode which is fine i kind of wanted also to have a mix of people who are very familiar with the franchise and newcomers who haven't seen it before but it just so turned out that the only people available to be here today are three people who have seen pretty much all of stargate i'm pretty sure and are (laughs) pretty familiar with it Uh, i've seen everything except for what we watched today so oh great you've never seen the movie awesome that's that's that was that was going to be like the the whole we had because we had eric who was going to join us and the only thing he'd seen was the movie so that was also exciting um so that's great uh so why don't you like i I will start with kavika why don't you like tell us a little bit about yourself and your relationship with stargate oh man so yeah i mean being uh you know almost 40 uh, mm-hmm. I ha- I watched Stargate uh, in the theaters. Um, oh, great! Awesome! I I, I never got there. I, <laughs> I have what's uh, sorry. I have what's kind of probably like a common experience, which is I started watching Stargate on TV, and then like around when season one or two was airing, and I was way into it. I I like I had an uncle that had the movie on DVD, and I watched it then. And like so, I saw the series before seeing the movie, and that was different. But you saw it in theaters, so that's pretty awesome. Yeah, I mean, and it's definitely a, uh, I guess it's a, it's a reverse change, you know, because you have different leads, uh, yeah. and, uh, just kind of rolling with it. But, uh, mm-hmm. um, I, I, I mean, I gotta say though, also being almost 40, MacGyver was my jam. <laughs> so uh, you, you were familiar with it, huh? So, uh, Richard, anything, so anything after that, anything Richard D. Anderson did on, on TV, I was, I was 100% in, um, 
and uh, yeah, whenever whenever Stargate, I don't think we started watching it because I didn't have cable. Um, but uh, whenever we did start watching it, I was like, "Well, yeah, Richard Dean Anderson, of course, I'm going to watch this," and it uh-huh. turned out to be good. So you know, uh, that, that was a, that was a lucky shot right there. If you're just yeah. going by the cast and you just <laughs> happen to watch to to get in like on the ground floor of one of the most major sci-fi franchises, and in my opinion, best. Uh, best best show with star in the title, I would say. It's at least up there in the conversation. That's that's a controversial one. Mm-hmm. So, what about you, M? What's you? You said you've never seen this movie. So, what's what? What else? How else? How did you get into Stargate? First of all, um, well, I'm Canadian, so it was mm-hmm. basically on throughout at any given time of day on some yep. channel for the entire two yep. thousands. Yep, space or Z Tele in French. That that was uh, Stargate is a very special show to Canadians, I think, because it's like well, we're not going to see that in the movie because it's not that. But the series that came after is shot in Vancouver and it's full to the brim of Canadian character actors that are in absolutely everything. And it's kind of like the hub or nexus of every Canadian actor you've ever heard of was on Stargate. Pretty much, yeah. So it's kind of special that way. So. Is that where the Battlestar uh, Galactica mm-hmm. crossover stuff is too? Yes. Yeah. So yeah, Completely. the 2003 Battlestar Galactica reboot was also shot in Vancouver, and there's a lot of crossover cast between Stargate and Battlestar. Because so for those non-Canadians out there, there's apparently a law by the by the CRTC, which is the Canadian like broadcasting uh, government agency that says a certain percentage of any TV show that's shot in Canada has to be Canadian actors. Which is why you see a lot of like crossover between like mostly like side characters because they're the big main cast. They usually go and pick Americans for, for it, but... Is yeah, it Richard Dean of... Anderson Canadian? No, he's American. I'm pretty is sure, he but he's American. Yeah, yeah but uh, Amanda Tapping and Michael Shanks are Canadian. Uh, you have like Richard Dean Anderson and Christopher Judge and Dennis Davis are American. Um, so yeah, uh, so if you've never seen the movie before, now have you, have you like watched it before today to prepare for this podcast at all, or are you just jumping in blind? I w- I watched it the other day. Yeah. Okay. Great. Awesome. What do you think of it? It's weird in that it's like it's parts of it overlap very closely with the tv show and then it's mm-hmm. just like who the hell is this guy that that's not jack o'neill <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah you're right well that is not jack o'neill with two l's that no it's we'll, one we'll l. get to it <laughs> yeah o'neill with one l he has no sense of humor uh although i would argue it, he kind of gets one by the end of it like you can kind of see the moment he he gains his second l in the, like near the end of this movie he's got an arc yeah yeah, he's got an arc, and then like he would like he would have an arc near the end to get rid of the Ori. So full circle, you know. That was terrible. I'm sorry. Um, anyway, so <laughs> our plan, since this is a Stargate rewatch podcast, is to go through the entire like live action uh, Stargate franchise. I guess because like fuck Infinity, I've never seen it, and I I don't care there, to Infinity. Wait, what's Infinity? That's, You've never heard of cartoon. Stargate Infinity. I never yeah, heard. The, no, the last I knew was <laughs> Universe. What? Okay, no, Infinity came before. Like, Infinity was technically the first Stargate spinoff. It was before Atlantis. Uh, and it's a cartoon. It's like the 
the showrunners have nothing to do with it. It is non-canon as hell. And <laughs> the it's ancients like, are dragons. Yep. The Ancients are Dragons as, like, of course, that's completely like, compatible with what we see on this show for sure. Anyway, no, I never heard of that one. So, yeah, it's, it's like a Saturday morning quality like a, type. Like a Starship Troopers cartoon thing? No. Yeah, well, if, if Starship Troopers had had, like, a Saturday morning cartoon that they was, did. like... Oh, they did. Was it, like, for families, was, for kids? Well, no, I mean, it was, like, a CG. Yeah, well, kind of, yeah. Okay, so, well, I mean, the Stargate cartoon is, like, qual- it's, like, Godzilla 90s cartoon quality Holy or crap. Men in Black cartoon quality, sort of, like whoa, that. Whoa, 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 whoa. I, no, I mean, uh, not not, okay. not in terms Godzilla of how was, good it Godzilla is. Godzilla cartoon was actually kind of good. Yeah, you're right. I, I just I just named two <laughs> actually good cartoons. I don't think Stargate Infinity is good. I don't actually know. I've never watched it, but I it's watched like, a little. It it's not very good. <laughs> yeah, so it lasted. I think one season. There's maybe 18 episodes of it, and that's it. Anyway, no plan to cover this unless we get to the end of it and we really want to keep this going. Uh, also, Stargate Origins, which was that web series that like was on the internet like eight years ago or something oh, also not super into covering that because it sucks um so yeah so but like so so since we're covering the stargate show we need to start at the start and this show starts with a feature-length movie and then followed by a 90 minute pilot so uh what we're gonna do since this is pretty long and a podcast can get tend to get long-winded uh we're gonna cover the movie in three episodes of the podcast and then children of the gods which is the pilot for sg1 in two episodes and then after that it's it's gonna settle down it's gonna be one episode per episode but uh buckle in because we're in for like a long ride on this movie first of all uh, I'm going to start right now because I'm used to covering Power Rangers episodes, and this is going to be longer than that, <laughs> so we should probably get going. Um, first thing I want to say is there are two cuts of this movie. Um, I have the like director's cut on DVD, which had, I think, two uh, extra scenes to this movie after the opening credits, which is uh, the slow pan over the sarcophagus head. Uh, is it? Oh, I couldn't remember if it was the Anubis head or the sarcophagus head. It's a sarcophagus head. It it represents Ra, and they're gonna actually go back to this opening for like a few seasons of the show later. And it's uh, I it I mean it's slow. It's fine. I I like kind of like the 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 more actiony opening the that they use for most the episodes. Is it the same footage as the one they use for the credits later in the show? Sorry, what? Is it like the same footage? It might. It looks really similar, it so I think it similar, might actually I'm be. A, I wasn't sure. Like, because I, I kind of remember the shapes of the like engravings on the thing, and I, f- they feel really familiar. So I think they actually use the same one, like they, they use the same for uh, Children of the Gods, which does also reuse a bunch of footage from this movie and like a bunch of s- different scenes. So yeah. I think they actually just reuse the same footage, but put the show credits over it. Um, so anyway, after this opening, first of all, if you're watching the director's cut, which I'm not right now, oh. uh, it'll. Sorry. Are we are we going? Sorry. Sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Okay. Uh, so if we, so in the director's cut after the opening credits, it like it, well, I mean, it cuts to Egypt either way. But like, if it's the director's cut, it cuts to way back in the past in Egypt, which is at night, and then 
there's, you see little tribesmen in their huts, and like it's nighttime, and they crawl out, and there's the, this big heavy noise coming from outside, and this little boy with long hair walks out of his hut, and there's a big light, and you kind of have no context for it. But all this stuff is kind of shown also later in the movie as a flashback, so it's not that essential. I just remember that because I've seen the director's cut a lot more, because that's the one I have on DVD. Right, right, yeah. Right. Anyway. After that, we get the theatrical first scene of this, of this movie, which does open still in Egypt, but in 1928, which uh, kind of citation needed on that, I guess, because I don't think that lines up with Catherine's age as she's later depicted in the series, but doesn't really matter that much. We'll movie let it slide. Catherine looks a lot older than show Catherine. Yeah, despite yeah that which is weird because like, show, show Catherine, like, his last scene is season like four or five or something like that. Oh and my she God, still no. looks younger. <laughs> anyway, um, yeah, we we open up on some Indiana in sorry Indiana Jones shit, uh, and like it's a it's a, an archaeological dig in Giza, Egypt, and the this salotype goes and goes up to a car where this little girl and her dad are climbing out of. Um, and so, ah, we found something. We found something. Uh, do we even have the subtitles on? They're off. So that would explain why yeah, I'm not seeing I'd anything. Yeah, because I'd say she's what, like twelve? Yeah, th- th- she she's like maybe eight if you want to be like conservative with her age. Shit, I don't know. Which kids, which, which would yeah, which would make her like seventy four ish by the time the present day of the movie. Well, wait, sorry. It's one year. It's ninety six because like the the series starts one year after that, which is in ninety seven. So we made her like in her late seventies by the time we get to the present day. Yeah, yeah. And she looks like maybe in her late sixties in the series. So let's just pretend it's actually She's like wealthy. ten. Yeah, she is. She she probably gets some very good medical treatment. You're right about that. But we can pretend for the sake of canon that it's 10 to 15 years later than it actually is, which would line it up better with the... Wait, no, the Indiana Jones shit is like late 30s, I think. So yeah. that would actually line it up yes. pretty well. Maybe they were trying to like hide their influence there, but it's very much obvious. We, we got to be a little anyway. early just so we don't have to deal, just so we don't have to deal with Nazi stuff. Yeah, yeah, just, yeah, just yeah for normal, sure. Just the normal colonialism. Oh, it's just yeah. a normal, fun... Uh, white people funding an archaeological dig in Egypt in the 1920s or 30s. It's it's fun. Also, we're not covering Stargate Origins, I said, so we don't have to even think about Nazis. Um, <laughs> so, also speaking speaking of uh, white privilege and like uh, pillaging of ancient artifacts, like <laughs> Catherine just picks up a raw pendant that she finds lying around with the eye of Rao, she goes, ooh, shiny, and just, she just pockets it, I guess, from this archaeological dig. So that's stealing the treasures of Egypt, as white people were and still are want to do right there. But you know, considering like what go every, pro- all this Egypt stuff actually is, it's amazing that she did it, that she actually lives to be as old as she did. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, because th- this, this isn't the mummy also, this is Stargate, so we don't have any actual magic curses to deal with. We don't have any magical curses to deal with. It's just you know half of the half of the ancient stuff is actually aliens and will kill you anyway. Uh huh. Yeah. Oh yeah, for yeah. sure. It could have been like a staff weapon or one of those. I guess the hand like weapons only work if you're a gold, so that doesn't really matter much. Or 
any number of like it could have been like a, a gold larva that just takes her over or something i guess <laughs> if it's still alive after all, all this time which it might be because the show just does whatever it wants to do Sure. It's not yeah. very the consistent the when it don't make sense biologically. Don't worry about it ever. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. No, don't worry. It's fine. <laughs> like we'll we'll get it. We'll get to it in a few episodes when we have to deal with the biology of how a gold takes over its host, and it doesn't make much sense. Anyway, they walk over to like the main event of this dig, which is a bunch of like brown people using ropes to ri- raise a big old metal ring out of the sand in the sunlight. And uh, Catherine's dad, I guess, or grandpa, because he looks much older than her. He's like, what the hell is that? And someone says, I don't know. And we won't get to know what it is until a bit later on when, like, only one person in the world can possibly translate the hieroglyphic for what its name is. I feel like we we know, though, because we saw the movie poster that says Stargate. Right, we would yeah. probably know that this is the Stargate, like without further context needed. But I mean, Catherine or Catherine's dad or grandpa has not seen the movie, so she could not possibly know. <laughs> as far as she knows, this is some kind of doorway to heaven or something. But that's the, as close as she can get, really. Anyway, um, we cut to present day, which is actually 1996. At this point, which is actually two years in the future from when would have been the present um, from when this movie came out. But this is also just me that picking at this point doesn't really matter. Um, So we see Catherine, who is now an old lady, uh, entering uh, some kind of museum, I guess. It looks like, I don't know what this place is exactly. It's some kind of scientific museum, like conference place. It looks pretty old to go see some crackpot uh, conference by a guy who thinks aliens are real and that Egyptians couldn't possibly have built the pyramids and also one of the main protagonists of this entire franchise. <laughs> yeah, that's, so, there's kind of a cornerstone of this series that's a little... Uh, little yeah. uncomfortable. <laughs> we we, we, we kind of have to talk about it now because this is when it's the most relevant, but it's... It's, it's, it is a bit of an original sin for this franchise that they started from History Channel guy saying aliens and built the whole thing from there. I mean, I think they said it before him. Uh-huh. Did they? Was, was that show on in like by the mid-90s when this Pretty was made? Pretty sure or? that show started in the 2000s. Yeah, I think so. This this is this predates that. Like Daniel was way ahead of the curve in crackpot bullshit pseudoscience right there. Oh, um, I, this 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 stuff's been around for such a long time. Oh yeah, people people have said that ever since white people saw the pyramids and said there's no way that these brown people right there could have possibly built that. Yeah. <laughs> it's just a yeah. hotel. <laughs> it's it's just a, a, sh- a fishing shop actually that they built. Um so he's trying. This is also like the mid '90s, where like I I don't know if the X Files was on by then. I I yes. guess it must have already started. Yes, so absolutely. this was like conspiracy shit was really hot in pop culture, and this was right into that. And if you don't like, so <clears throat> Daniel Jackson right there, he is being mocked by a whole room full of uh, eminent scientific uh, personalities who completely like laugh in his face and debunk his theories right there in front of him and he's trying to like they were coming to listen to though (laughs) they they just they just went there to make fun of him apparently it's it's just like there's no way he wasn't on his bullshit in this in the summary in the pamphlet (laughs) Uh 
Yeah, for sure. It's like it's, it, pyramids. Egyptians built them? I don't know. Question mark. Maybe they're way older than that. So the fact, like, the story that they're like ten thousand years old instead of five thousand is. I don't think that's ever referenced again, and it's probably like that wouldn't even make sense based on what we know of how the Gua'uld oper- operate later on because they would have taken the Egyptian culture that was already there and copied it, not the other way around. So I guess like the the, the main point of this is that Daniel thinks that there's more to the pyramids that there actually are, and then you can kind of mumble around it and pretend it's not super racist, but it <laughs> It kind of is. Yeah. yeah. Um, it's, it's unpleasant. Also, like someone like challenges him and says, so if the Egyptians didn't build the pyramids, who did? And he says, I don't know who built them. And to the series credit, Egyptians did actually build the pyramids in the, in the canon, in the fiction of Stargate. It's just that they did that as slaves to aliens. But like <laughs> the aliens didn't build shit. The humans did. The humans built everything in Stargate. But, you know, that, that's that's technical like Although that's wanna, a nitpick i, I guess like, focus in on that guy making that particular comment there for a second because yeah, he yeah, specifically yeah. says who do you think who do you think built them <laughs> martians men from atlantis it's like hey wait a second a ludicrous notion and please atlantis is much older than the pyramids and like <laughs> the, these men did a bunch of shit including the stargate but not the pyramids that was humans <laughs> <laughs> yeah this is also pretty funny in retrospect um so uh daniel tries to save face by saying well okay so forget who built them it's just like the the, the carbon dating stuff which as i've said is kind of not that important either it's it's just anyway for some reason Catherine thinks this guy right there this is the guy who's going to be good enough to know what the symbols i don't know are which is he doesn't uh, even actually show any language stuff here no. no. Also, I I just like to like because this is the first scene in which we see James Spader drawing on a white on a blackboard. James Spader doesn't know how to draw on a board in this whole movie. Like there's there's four different scenes of him drawing on there, and he's like really weird with the chalk and later with the dry erase markers. He has it's like a secretary for that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that that's that's like James Spader is very like. Uh, he he's cast out of character kind of for this movie. Yes. He he doesn't usually play this kind of nerd role and I feel like he's he's maybe never actually handled chalk before in his life and he <laughs> was like kind of winging it and kind of failing at doing it weirdly enough. I don't know why I'm focusing on that so much. He just writes weird. Yeah, it's whenever you think about a back to the movie and you're like, "Oh yeah, and it's James Spader." And then you're like, "James Spader, James, really? James, yeah, James <laughs> Spader, do the like the weird sex guy who like <laughs> has a gravelly voice and is really assertive and aggressive all the time. Played the dweeby nerd in a Roland Emmerich movie that like this is basically the the Jeff Goldblum role from Independence Day, but like three <laughs> years before that. This is this is the role they gave to James Spader. It's weird. Anyway. It, it's even weirder, though, is because, like, out of the returning characters for the series, he looks the closest to his counterpart. Yeah, he does. Yes. And the, the weird thing is, if you watch early SG-1, Michael Shanks is clearly trying to act like James Spader in this movie, and it's weird. Yeah, a little. 
So, sorry, I'm just just downing my beer over here. Um, <laughs> so, like, he's basically left out of there. Uh, apparently, that was maybe like the last, the last straw. It was like his last hope to get a grant because he has like he's been evicted from his apartment or something, and he has no no grants, no money, no job, anything. So he he gets recruited right out of there with his suitcase by Catherine, who's sitting in a car in pouring rain. And uh, so these Air Force guys tell him, Sir, Dr. Jackson, would you please sit down in the car? And he's like, at first, he's like, well, what is this? What is this about? He doesn't uh, really trust them. And they're like, ah, it's fine. It's fine. We'll take care of your luggage. And like, pay attention because they clearly leave the luggage out on the curb in the rain while he's in the car. (laughs) Anyway, he sits down in the car. And Catherine, just first thing she does is hand him a photo of... an old black and white photo from like the 50s or something, weirdly enough. And he says, is this your parents with a, with a baby in the photo? <laughs> it's like, why, why, why is this your opener? It's an odd interaction. <laughs> it's, like, I've, I, like, it's like, I've looked you up. I know about you. And he says it's his foster parents, which also like from the age of the photo doesn't really make sense because we know later on that like, he was old enough to be a kid when his parents died. Um, anyway, they, they kept the part where he has foster parents, but everything else about the scene is kind of doesn't make sense anymore. Anyway, uh, this is like just some weird opener to tell him that she's offering him a job and that she's going to need him to translate some hieroglyphics, basically. And then she also, takes him out of the car and he has to make his own way to, to Cheyenne yeah. Mountain. Oh yeah, that's right. <laughs> it's like so she doesn't even give him a lift there. She he's no, I, we ticket. don't know. Yeah, we don't know where he is exactly, but he has to go all the way to Colorado from there. I don't know. Yeah. Also, I think the implication of it specifically being foster parents is is also kind of shitty because what I think what's what part of it is going on here is like, "Oh, you don't really have anybody." Yeah, you're completely cut off. Like you're, you've been laughed out of of the scientific community. You have no money. Uh, take this job. It's like it's government money. It's gonna be like you're you'll be set for life. Even though we're not gonna tell you what it is because yeah. obviously it's highly classified. And if you get shot, and if you get shot to the other end of the universe, it's fine. Uh-huh. It's fine. We, no you'll one will have signed a waiver you. for that. So yeah. Also, also there's that. Oh God! I just realized that's why they also picked Jack for this. Yes. That's what. That is, that's that's what, why they picked Jack specifically. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that is. That's, that's that's the linking. That's where the two dots are connected right there. Wow. New light is shown. Like this movie is actually brilliant. Now. Yeah. Now that yeah. I think yeah about that. It. That and he doesn't. He won't care if he dies. Yeah. 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 They they, they pick people with no attachments, even though. I don't know what I mean, that says Jack, about Richard Kind and the other ones. Jack still has a wife there, which I mean, it's like we know it's not going to work out, but still. yeah. Well, he's clearly on the edge of divorce yeah. just from see- looking at her in the one scene we see of her in this in this movie. So, speaking of which, we cut over to presumably Chicago because we know that's where Jack O'Neill is from. Uh, we don't anyway. The that's that's the Mets, baby. That's the Mets, the Chicago Mets. Oh yeah, okay, yeah, because his son in the in the photo has the the Mets shirt. Yeah, uh, by the way, pretend that it says Charlie O'Neill on the baseball <laughs> certificate right there because that makes more sense for later. <laughs> um, also, yeah, 
Hello, Sarah O'Neill. Goodbye, Sarah O'Neill. You'll be played by someone else next, next time we see you. Um, and he's like sitting in his son's room and holding a pistol in his hand and we can kind of put two and two together from there, even though it's about to be spelled out for us, that he's basically contemplating suicide at this point because, yeah. as we know, as the, the, the Air Force gentlemen are about to exposit, uh, his son, Charlie slash Tyler, shot himself he, he was playing with his dad's gun and accidentally shot himself and died. So that's nice and depressing. America. And, uh, yeah, yep, that, yep, this yep. is just need, needlessly dark for this. Like, it is super dark. So the thing, I, I've watched the movie and then Children of the Gods and then The Enemy Within, which is like the whole first arc of this show before the status quo starts is incredibly grim it's like there's almost no levity there it's only darkness and death the whole way through <laughs> it's weird enough because this is a really nice funny show most of the time it's it's a really light-hearted like almost sci-fi action comedy sometimes and it's yeah, it's weird yeah. that they start off this way uh so anyway it's so it's uh so we cut over to air force guys driving over to i guess jackson daniel is with them now because he's going to be in the next scene. But the, what, what the, the, the captions say is a military installation at Creek Mountain, Colorado, mm. which let's just pretend that it's a Cheyenne Mountain right there because that makes more sense. It's and one it's of like the... It's this, this the same establishing footage of the, of the entrance. Yeah, yeah. Uh, except, I, I, except I think in the movie it's like a fake entrance or it's somewhere else, like a tunnel that they dressed up. And the, the establishing shot we see in the series is the entrance to the actual Cheyenne Mountain uh, military complex. Um, so, we, yeah, you were, we're in there. There's, uh, this is, I think that's Kowalski right there who is in the elevator with Daniel. And um, so say hi to, yep, that's him. Uh, someone who's so I'm watching on Amazon Prime, and what's neat about Amazon is whenever you pause the thing, it's, it tells you the cast and name of the characters that are currently oh, yeah. on screen. Oh, so, we're gonna talk about I, Richard Kind. Yeah. Oh yeah, we're gonna talk about Richard Kind, one of three recurring cast members from this movie into the series. Um, <laughs> uh, but uh, uh, speaking of characters that come back but are recast, uh, that's Lieutenant Kowal- Kowalski right there which I didn't realize he got a promotion between the, the movie and the series because he's Major Kowalski when the series starts. Anyway, uh, doesn't matter much. He doesn't get much to do in this movie, but he's pretty important early on in the series. Um, so they walk out of the elevator, and there's Richard Kind right, right there, the first of three, as I said, recurring cast member, but he's going to come back in Stargate Atlantis playing someone else. That's a shitbag. Yeah, yeah, yeah. As, <laughs> as an absolute asshole con man from space, like years and years from now, uh, not the same character at all. It's just weird that they went back and got someone from the movie to play this incidental I mean, side character point, on Stargate they Atlantis. Probably basically forgot who was in the movie. Yeah, uh-huh. yeah. I don't know. I wonder if Richard kind even remembered he'd been in that movie because he's only in like four scenes in this. God, I forget how piercing. Kurt Russell's eyes are. <laughs> oh yeah, he's he's an intense guy. For sure. I mean, James Spader, also an intense guy, but he plays it down in this movie, kind of, because Kurt Russell is the guy who gets it. Um, and I, now I'm like, those two characters, the other two, like, Egypt experts that are working with Daniel, they never appear again in the whole franchise. They completely disappear, like, 15 minutes into this movie. It's weird. 
anyway, no, no one even thinks to mention them again. I just wonder what happened to them. Yeah. So, they open the doors and enter, I guess, the cartouche room, which is not a room we ever see again in the SGC, but that's where uh, the, the, the big cover stones th- that were covering the Stargate are stored for study. I mean, they uh, never need to study these again. He's figured it all out. No, for yeah, sure. Yeah. He's, he figures it out in what seems like a very short amount of time and what seems like it shouldn't have needed him to figure it out. But anyway, um, Catherine is there and she greets Daniel. Um, so she's like, well, this is your job right there. Uh, yeah, yeah she, she, he asks her, when did you find this? She says, 1928. I've never seen this. Of course you haven't. No one has. And then Richard Kind starts trying to explain what they've figured out from this thing, including transcribing the, the hieroglyphs that are all around this thing on the blackboard. And then there's the big uh, vertical thing in the middle that are not hieroglyphs and no one can figure out. And, and that's the reason they called him over because they think it's some kind of harder to figure out language that only he can figure out. So my question is, how who did he learn his <laughs> hieroglyphic hieroglyphic uh translations from i don't know because clearly he's not using the same textbook as richard kind was yeah but also it's like his his choices in the translation it's real pedantic bullshit <laughs> yeah 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 i mean it, it it doesn't seem like the hieroglyphs would have enough detail there's like not enough resolution in ancient egyptian language to have a meaningful distinction between gateway to heaven and stargate it doesn't like unless there's a really specific word for star that richard kind and, of missed and like, for all eternity versus for all time it's like yeah, no, yeah. no that's that's the same word <laughs> yeah eternity is just a different <laughs> word for time Did they have two different like symbols for that he also crosses over coffin and writes... I, he doesn't even write it, but it's clearly meant to be sarcophagus. And like, a sarcophagus is just a, another <laughs> word for coffin also. Yeah, that's just fuck off. Fuck you, dude. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> He's just like, kind of like flexing on Richard Kind there. I know more about you. And he writes, again, in a really weird way and with poor handwriting on the blackboard in a way that makes me think James Spader should have taken like board writing lessons before... <laughs> taking on this role but it's not like the worst one is i just i just think the fact that the first time we see the word stargate in stargate is when he writes it on the blackboard and he kind of writes it it too weird yeah 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 it's a revelation so you know what movie you're watching Uh uh-huh stargate yeah and uh yeah it's not a door to heaven dipshit as are you stupid fucking what anyway (laughs) The alternate universe where they don't find Jackson and it's just called the door, door to Heaven. <laughs> door to Heaven DH1. <laughs> um, so then, uh, yeah, Colonel O'Neill walks in and he's like, well, I see the new guy is here. Uh, this is just uh, to... Like, okay, so, uh, so he's like kind of taking over Sort of, because like General West is still in charge of this thing, but he's just the new middleman of this operation, I I'm guess. I'm really it's weird. unsure what the purpose of it was. Yeah. yeah he's just coming I in mean, and being all like, all, hey, d- don't tell the new hire anything. It's like... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, I mean, I guess he did just step off the elevator. Maybe he just hasn't signed the NDA yet or anything. It's, it's like, anyway... Uh, yeah, the existence of the Stargate at this point is being kept from 
Daniel's knowledge, even though this lady almost tells him about it. But yeah, even though like, the other oh. two Egyptologists clearly know about it. Uh-huh. So it's weird. I guess they're trying to, like, it's a need-to-know thing, but the, I, I, I don't know, I guess the military figures that if they can translate the symbols, Daniel doesn't need to know that, that the Stargate exists. It's a weird thing. Also, like, the way O'Neill talks, he says... This information has just become classified. Like, it wasn't a secret until it's precisely now because you just figured out that it says Stargate. It's it's a weird thing. <laughs> I got here just uh, in time to stonewall you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just, like, put, like, sticks in your wheels. And also, like, there's a general above me who actually calls the shots, and I'm just... He, like, only is just there to lead the team when they go through the gate. Like, he he shouldn't be, like, in charge of their research operation. This is a weird They're, like, not scene. even actually completely sure that it is a gate yet. So it's like, why, why is, did they get him yet? I mean, I'm sure they, they had... Because, like, canonically, Samantha Carter is somewhere in the background of this studying the science of the gate, right? So presumably she's already figured out that it's some kind of wormhole subspace thing that I goes somewhere. I don't think so. Because I don't think you, so, because I don't think you, she would let them think that it's going to a different galaxy. No, well, first of all, it's not actually going to a different galaxy, because that's not, it's nonsense when it does turn on, they say it's on the other side of the universe, and we, we know that's not true at all, but... Um, I forget that, that weird star tracking thing that they have set up for it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so, so that's the other thing, they have all this equipment and, like these computers and these displays that are clearly meant to show what happens when you open a portal to the other side of the wor- of the galaxy. So they had to know what it was for at this point be- before they turned it on, right? It's just for... God, maybe, you know, watching the series will remember. Just because I, I wouldn't think that they would even have an idea of what it does or how it works, and all they're missing is the key. You know what I mean? Uh-huh. Like, if you don't have the key to a car, and you don't know what a car is, you don't know what's going on under the hood. But, I mean, you, you might be, like, in this analogy, if you, exa- if you open the hood and look at the wheels and, like, examine every piece of the car, you might figure out it's some kind of vehicle and that it needs some kind of way to get it started, right? Like that, that, that's, why, that's what I pictured they're at at this point, because if the military is already clamped down on it, they figure it's something powerful and important of some kind so it's not just some metal ring they found in the desert at this point they know sure, it does sure. something right but i guess they could be thinking well it might be a bomb it might blow up in our face if we turn it on which you know doesn't really explain why they still kind of <laughs> just turn it on the second he's figured out the symbols <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah but i mean okay I think part of it is that we're thinking about it more than they did, but my my headcanon is that at this point, the the Air Force knows that the Stargate is a Stargate, and like Catherine and the Egyptologists don't. Which is my guess, I guess. Uh, I guess that works. So, <laughs> we got to two weeks later, and Daniel has fucking collected two weeks of salary and made absolutely no progress on this thing. Well, that's fine. a government job. Yep. Yep. Which is uh, good for him, I guess, except he's clearly uh, burning the midnight oil trying trying to figure it out, recording his every thought. Yeah, he looks like he hasn't slept for that entire two weeks. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's clearly the middle of the night. He goes to get more coffee. Um, 
he goes out actually sorry to rinse the coffee pot because the coffee's all burned down to the bottom of it and he goes up to the oh, water fountain i like and how this he, dude's all up on his dick oh. about showing the thing yeah, you yeah can he's coming be. out of this out. thing why do i need to show my badge to get out <laughs> Well, and he's already in the Cheyenne Mountain Complex. Uh-huh. I mean, th- th- does this airman or lieutenant or whatever know about the Stargate? And does he think someone might have come through it? And, like, this guy, we don't know for sure that he didn't come from space, right? Oh, <laughs> so I need to check every idea. We don't have an iris yet. Um, <laughs> but he just, like, this guy is just reading the newspaper with his feet up on his desk, guarding the door to this place. And, uh just happens to be some kind of astronomical like interest scientific article on the back page of his newspaper that Daniel looks at while he's filling out his coffee pot and um, he spots like it says Orion uh, something sorry uh, Orion up close like because I guess uh, Orion is in the sky the the constellation and like this is like oh you can look at it with your telescope he is what it looks like he's the shape of it and he looks at it and has a Eureka moment because that's that's Orion right there is one of the symbols on the stone. So he just like yanks the 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 the, the sheet of newspaper from the guy's hands, then walks to the door and then comes back to the window and says, "Can I keep this?" And this guy turns around and he's an extra, so he doesn't say anything. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so he takes out a marker and just like really highlight, highlights the constellation, even though it's already drawn on there. To, to really sell to the to audience. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that you understand, Orion is one of the symbols on the stone. So he's like, he goes, obviously, extrapolation from there, those six symbols are all constellations, which is the first obvious, uh, well, maybe not, well, obvious in retrospect, uh, revelation, that like, like the first step forward they've done in, I guess... It's been 70 years almost, and they've completely, like, no one has ever thought of comparing these symbols to, like, the most common, well-known constellations in the world. Yeah. Even though they've had maybe astronomers looking at the stargates since Sam Carter you know, is there, and she they has a PhD they, in this. If they've determined yeah. that it's a space thing, that would make sense. Uh-huh. <laughs> Samantha Carter is just off-screen with a PhD in astrophysics, and she was staring at six constellations for I don't know how many years and didn't figure it out until Daniel, who's an Egyptologist who has no formation in astron- astronomy, goes in there, figures it out in two weeks. Though they don't really so, touch on it much later, but this has always this bugged me about this. It's like, mm-hmm. why are they Earth, there are the Earth constellations on, on this one and there are different ones on the one when they get to the other planet, but this means that every planet you'd have to have an entirely different thing. Uh-huh. And that's just such an inefficient way to organize your transportation system. Yeah. You are correct, yes. <laughs> and that's why they never mentioned that again. <laughs> every Stargate has the same symbols after this movie, and every planet just has like a combination that's like a phone number that you need to dial to get to reach it. And you need to know your own planet's symbol, which is one of those symbols also as the seventh, because you need to tell the Stargate where you're coming from for some reason. Which is not how phones work, but there you go. <laughs> anyway, uh, this this alone, like figuring out that it's constellations, is apparently enough to summon like all the the high brass, including I guess General West wasn't in the SGC until this point. He 
he's from somewhere else. He didn't personally supervise this operation, which does explain why Jack was like, like was there, was like waving his authority around earlier. But anyway, he's here now as our other generals, Pentagon folks, um, to hear what Daniel has to say. Because I guess O'Neill called them and said, you know, our guy, he's figured something out. No time to explain. Drive all the way over here and like he'll show you on a whiteboard. Our nerd won't shut up. Please, co- please come listen to him. <laughs> <laughs> please come explain because he says something about stars and I no understand because Sun died. <laughs> um, <clears throat> so anyway, Daniel is very excited to show this to everyone. He has all these rolled up maps, I guess, that he brought over to the meeting and he's passing them around for everyone to look at. I guess these are star charts of various constellations, diagrams of the cartouche, of the symbols that he can explain that these symbols are constellations. And then he's also apparently figured out that their coordinates, for some reason, like, I don't really know why he would come to that conclusion, really, because he doesn't know that the Stargate exists at this point. But yeah, it's yeah. Uh, Project Project Giza yeah 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 so he very poorly draws a cube on the whiteboard which is this is the 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 part where he's holding the the like the dry erase marker the weirdest and it really bothers me that he doesn't know how to use he's just he has this little weird claw grip on the pen it's it's almost like he's left-handed but trying to draw with his right hand I don't it's it's really it really does bother me for some reason yeah yeah the thing that really drove one thing home to me is like, damn, Disney completely plagiarized this whole movie when they made Atlantis: The Lost Empire. Yeah, uh-huh. yeah, did they? It is yeah, I heard that. I heard scene. that. That they 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 basically have a guy wearing glasses who figures something out in the same way. I I've, I've never seen it, but I've heard that said. It's like th- th- this is th- this is just the, the cross between this and the original conference scene in this one. That's just the opening scene of that movie. Yes. Oh, nice. So, um, so yeah, uh, the the the, the see, see, so he draws a, like a cube on the board and like says that every face of the cube is like a different constellation. Which, first of all, that's a weird way to pinpoint a, a point in space. Uh, but like when you cross the axes of all six things, how does, how does that uh, work? Since it, each part of the constellation is like thousands of light years apart. Also, there's <laughs> that. Yeah. You you wouldn't even know where the point of that constellation would be in space because yeah it's like saying uh, well you have like one of the point is the United States and the other point is Africa and then somehow you're supposed to draw a line between them it's it doesn't really work like to find a very specific spot in the ocean I guess um, anyway uh, so he explains that so. He says there's there's seven symbols and the seventh is like where you're coming from to draw a line between them to I guess some kind of portal between like some kind of path between the two, which is a hell of a thing to deduce from like a sentence worth of hieroglyphs and seven <laughs> symbols. Um, considering he's Daniel still doesn't know that the Stargate exists at this point. Uh, so then Richard Kind, hang on, I have it paused. His, his, the name of his character is Gary Myers. You're welcome. Oh, cool. um, <clears throat> uh, 
Uh, he says, well, there's only six symbols on the cartouche, so what are you talking about with the seventh? And he says, well, there's a seventh one right there on the bottom, which is a little, like, picture of a pyramid with a circle on top of it and, like, two little people praying next to it, which well, I guess he, are he not actually part of the symbol. He specifically says two funny little guys, which... What? He specifically says two funny little guys. Uh-huh. Yeah. Which, like, just puts him way ahead of humor. Like, he posted that on Twitter, <laughs> he'd get so many retweets. <laughs> Yeah. Check this out. Check what I found. They're around a pyramid praying and stuff. It's so funny. <laughs> and then he draws them looking like dick and balls. Uh-huh. Because, once again, James Fader has never drawn anything in his life, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so then Richard Kind opens his big-ass mouth and, like, breaks his NDA and is never seen again <laughs> after this movie. So you can assume the CIA is doing all kinds of shit to him after this point. FBI. Um, FBI. FBI, maybe? I don't F- know. FBI is internal. CIA is external. Oh, you're right. I guess it would be the NID. I don't know if they exist at this point. Because uh, they mm-hmm. deal with Can all kinds of gate matters. they exist at this point? Anyway, uh, Richard Kind is thrown in Guantanamo. And if you want to... <laughs> If you want to like really expand the headcanon, you can say he's exiled to a different planet in the Pegasus galaxy where he becomes a con man and comes back like several okay. decades <laughs> later. Um, anyway, uh, so he's opened his stupid mouth. So like the general is like, well, might as well loop him in at this point since he's figured everything else out. And uh, they have Kowalski press the button to open the blast shields and reveal that the Stargate is right there on the other side of the glass. I mean, they only uh, had the meeting in this room specifically so they could do this dramatic uh-huh. bit. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And I want to say, I think like th- this set didn't stay up after the movie was made, but they kind of reproduced it for the series, and it does look exactly like the series yeah, as you see. it's a very good replication. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's, that's, that's the one part where they were very faithful to the movie, is it looks exactly like that. But yeah, they have the briefing room and the blast doors with the window looking down two floors over to the Stargate room. Uh, so Jack, Daniel says, what's that? And Catherine really drives us home to says, well, that's the Stargate you talked about right there. Obviously, duh. Um, so, like, they immediately, like, the way the intercom starts before the scene even cuts tells me that someone ran out of that room and said... Daniel's found the symbol. Turn it on. Spoon it up, everyone. Let's go. Because, <laughs> like, they're ready to go. Uh, so we get the first gay dialing sequence in the franchise uh, with not Walter, with a guy who has glasses and a backwards Kangol cap because it's, it's the 90s. Because he's on a computer. You can't, you have, you can't have to be a nerd to be on a computer. Yep. A real Boris from GoldenEye type, but he looks like a hippie version of that, a hippie American version of Boris. Uh, and he's holding a pen in his mouth only so he can dramatically drop it later. Uh, so they, they just kind of, I guess, cycle the gate on the monitor to look at each symbol individually, and Daniel tells them to stop right there because uh, he's noticed that there's a little A symbol without a line and a circle on top of it that just happens to look exactly like the symbol that's, that he saw without the funny little guys. He picks up another dry erase marker and just draws right on the monitor the funny little guys to show everyone that it's the same symbol. And <laughs> once again... figured it out. It's a triangle. They, they've had this thing from <laughs> for almost 70 years, and no one thought, hey... Triangle on the stone is maybe triangle on the gate. Do you think? Maybe? No. 
<laughs> I thought no, Daniel no, to show the, them the one symbol that doesn't match any that doesn't quite match anything else. <laughs> no, the, no. The, the only thing on there that's clearly not a constellation. I don't know what it could be. Uh, so then, weirdly enough, Catherine is the one that calls the general, even though she's clearly outside of the chain of command, and he tells her to go ahead and turn it on. So, all kinds of weird shit happening right there. Uh, but they do that, do that now, and. Uh, I guess, yeah, so the subtitles tell me that, not Walter right there, his name is Mitch, so hello Mitch and goodbye Mitch, because he's never going to show up again. Uh, so I guess, yeah, I'm going to skip ahead a little bit, because okay, dining sequence, if you've it never seen the show... Really um, cool, it is a real, they do it really cool in the movie, though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, I, they shake, like everything shakes, and there's steam and everything, and it's like, whoa, what's going on? No one knows... <laughs> For sure, like the monitors are showing all the symbols dramatically, like going up big on them on the screen, and then like kind of like going down into the little box on the side of the screen, which is like footage they're gonna reuse for the series every time they dial the gate. Pretty sure they pretty much literally reuse the same symbols most of the time. Um, but then, yeah, the, the 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 gate turns on. We get our first kawoosh, which is. Uh, Actually, if you if you're curious about it, they filmed a tank of water and dropped something in it in there, and that's how they got the effect of the Stargate opening. So that's that's like kind of what they're going to use for the whole series to show it open. Yeah, yeah. Um, that's really cool, though. Yep, classic sci-fi moments right there. Uh, so they immediately have so they have all these guards like enter the room, point guns at the gate. Uh, they have. Uh, I forgot what the probes are called on the series, but they call it something oh, else in yeah. there. Uh, I which, think they just which, call it a probe here. Yeah. Um, anyway, they they send that they send that in, which is going to be like a thing they do all the time from like from then forward, which is logical. <laughs> You're going to a different planet. You don't know what's on there. You send a probe first. Um, so they send it over. Um. And then, like, they have, yeah, yeah, this little, like, space map that's, well, okay, it's 2D, first of all, so that makes no <laughs> sense. <laughs> they have a little tracker that, that, like, can somehow track the probe in the wormhole as it travels in it instead of just... Which isn't uh, really how the wormhole works, but... No, it's also yeah. not how tracking works. Like, Are they picking up radio waves from inside the wormhole and later from space, even though it's like several light years away? Yeah, it yes. makes no real scientific yeah. sense. Yeah. Right, you know. Well, we, we know from later on that uh, electronic signals can be transferred back through the gate, which is how they get like footage back from the probe. But to even figure out where the probe is, the only thing, the only way I can imagine they would do that would be to look up at the night sky from that planet and like triangulate based on the stars it sees. I guess. Which, which if a they computer could do could that, do. then the main conflict later doesn't exist. So yeah. no, yeah, yeah, yeah. Also, they say it's in the whatever. Like it's it's in a different galaxy that's named, which is like that's not a real galaxy. First of all, most galaxies don't have names. And uh, second of all, like they say, it's on the other side of the known universe. That's also bullshit because <laughs> we're gonna learn in the next episode that it's actually the closest Stargate to Earth in the entire <laughs> network. And also, it the takes a, way, way. a lot more to dial to the to another galaxy from this galaxy. So there's no way that's possible. Yeah, yeah. 
anyway, so yeah, they, they have footage from the other side. I guess the probe is telling them that there's air on the other side, so they know they can go through. Um, they, they look at the gate from the other side and do a CSI enhanced thing on their very low-res uh, radio footage on the CRT from the 90s and spot symbols on their Stargate. I think... That, that explains why Daniel thought he could translate them. Yeah. yeah, but also, well, like, we'll get back to it in a little bit because uh, <laughs> Daniel knows that he doesn't know the point of origin of Abydos, of the other planets. So, like, what, what, what Daniel means when he says, oh, I can, I can go with you and figure it out and, uh, like, bring everyone back, no problem. What he means is, I expect there's going to be a cartouche on the other side with the symbols yes. to dial yeah. to Earth on it. And that's not the case at all. Like, yeah, you know, I there's there's probably something I could translate there, you know. It's a big <laughs> he, deal that the pyramids didn't have any writing. That was the entire basis of my aliens exist thesis. But uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> So yeah, that that's not what he says though. He says, No, listen, when we get there, I can dial the gate back. No problem. You need me because I'm the only one that can do that. But I for sure, yeah, hundred percent, no risk, I can do that, let's go. Because I guess Daniel really wants to just go to another planet and doesn't care if he literally strands people there forever. Right. Daniel is not a good person yet, I guess. Um, so he, he packs this like, uh, big trunk full of books and shit to bring to the other planet, which I guess if he knows he's going to have to translate symbols, fair enough. It's just weird that that's what he chooses to bring over. I guess they are like, they have this... Uh, this probe, this remote control probe thing that they load with all their crates on it, so it's not really a matter of how heavy he can pack. But anyway, as he's packing, uh, Catherine comes up to him and says, "Listen, uh, have my priceless ancient Egyptian medallion that I stole from Egypt like 70 years ago. It'll bring you luck." Yeah, which is like actually she's right about that because it's what actually allows them to make first contact and also kind of what fucks them over later but yeah she just like gives it to him i guess she has no i guess yeah i don't know she has personal attachment to it but not enough that she's not willing to just give it to some guy to go to a different planet with it uh so they're pretty much all ready to go they've loaded up the the probe well, it's not the probe, it's like a, a remote-controlled car thing. They send it through first, and then, like, the... I guess the, the Proto SG-1 is all ready to go. It's a team of, I guess, uh, six soldiers, including O'Neill and uh, Daniel. I mean, it might... It'd be funny if they, like, just kept that kept SG's teams to this size... Like so, uh-huh. they'd have so many less problems in the show if they had just had more oh, guys. Oh yeah, they would. <laughs> a whole squad. The, the, yeah. the, the show would be a lot more expensive if if they had like six main cast members instead of four. Though, have you considered that? Also, it would be a little harder to follow. Like modern shows have such big casts, and like you go back and watch Stargate, it's like okay, well, there's the four main, the main team, which is four people, and then there's the general, and then there's a bunch of side characters that appear sometimes, and it's way easier to follow that way, I guess. Yeah. Uh, anyway, so yeah, they're they're all set to go. Um, 
This it's uh, so the team is O'Neill, Kowalski, Ferretti, and and other guy, and uh, who cares? Uh, dead meat, basically the the guys who are gonna die there, which is why we never. I guess I guess the black guy is named Brown, which is nice. Thank you, Roland Emmerich. Um, <laughs> they're, they're all they're all wearing they're all wearing their red shirts under their under their camp. Yep, yep, yep. For yeah. sure. Let's go on on Operation Suicide Mission with guy who wants to kill himself and doctor who has nothing else to live for and lied about being able to bring us back. Um, I like their molecular deconstruction. Uh, yeah, just <laughs> so ready that's to go. another thing. They knew, that's another you know, thing. I wonder how how their computer detects every molecule in their body and can tell that they're like fading away and like show it and on they, their screen. And they knew that's how it was going to work to program that into the UI. <laughs> yep, yep, yep. Carter was like, "Oh, clearly it's going to de- deconstruct the molecules, and I can have a little UI there that shows that if you want." Yeah, do it. Okay. Um, there's a like. Kurt Russell makes a funny face right before he steps through. He like shows his teeth because he's gritting them, but it's he's, a really he's ready. weird shot. He's yeah, ready. Oh, oh, gonna fuck up that Stargate. <laughs> gonna kill that planet because like he's. I guess he's the only one there who knows they're gonna nuke this planet on the other side. So he's like ready to kill. I guess he's angry because his son is dead. Um, so everyone steps through. Uh, Daniel is the one, last one because you know he's kind of our point of view character there. He stops for a second in front of the gate, stick his fa- sticks his face through. You see his face stick out the other side, which is not how the gate works at all. But let's, let's leave that for now. Doesn't matter much. And then we get our inaugural. Yes, <laughs> it's still cool. It's still cool. The whole thing with the exploding stars, which they almost never show on the show after that. God, a half uh, dozen times, I think, maybe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They, they only show it when it's, like, an important event or to, like, when they're going to travel through time or go to a different galaxy because they want to highlight that something different is happening. Um, it's cool. There's a reason they keep using this for, like, <laughs> the first seven seasons of the show. They kind of remake it eventually when they get to... HD slash DVD slash better CG era. Um, Once but yeah, TV they, they CG stepped... opaces, ni- opaces 95 CG. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh, they step through, and it's at this point that we realize that French Stewart is on the team, by the way. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we kind of haven't seen him until now, but he plays Freddy in this, and every time I watch Stargate, I'm like, oh, fuck, French Stewart is in this. I, ca- I keep forgetting. <laughs> <laughs> And he plays really weird. He's like really confrontational and angry, but in like a goofy, funny way. It's it's he doesn't seem to know he's in the same movie as everyone else. And this movie is really weird. <clears throat> so um, they're in the Abydos Gate Room now. Uh, so like half an hour, like on the dot. That's how long they spent on Earth. A full, uh, an exact quarter of this movie. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so we're just going to go a little bit longer here. Uh, they're, they're in the Abydos gate room, which is inside the stone temple. They throw some flares around, look around with their uh, flashlights. They see yep. the bottom of the ring transported that's on the ceiling of this place. They tactically move out of the building because they're army guys and they don't know what's ahead. So you see them do a bunch of Rainbow Six shit. Um, they walk out. They got out. their tricorders. They got the tricorders, of course. It's not a PSP yet. It's a different thing, but it's... Um, 
So they're, they're taking scan, pointing guns at the desert. It looks good. It looks like a desert because they shot it in Tunisia, I think. Uh, oh, wait. No, it says right there on Amazon, filming locations, Yuma, Arizona, USA. So there, this was shot in Arizona. Um, and a place with an actual desert with sand and dryness and sunlight and no clouds in the sky yeah, to, to be here. the most important system, Lord. He gets to uh-huh. be the only non, non-Vancouver planet. Yeah, <laughs> one of the only non-Vancouver planets in the universe right there. Um, so they walk out, kind of look around. Whoa, awesome. There's desert. There's uh, nothing they walk, here. <laughs> yep, nothing. They, they, I guess, assume that there's nothing on this planet except the temple and desert. They walk a little bit, turn around. There's three moons in the sky in, that are visible in daylight, so that's lucky. Uh, it makes a cool shot for the poster. So they realize, for sure, at this point, different planet. Uh, hey, and there's three stars on uh, Jack's uh, hat. Oh, yeah. Well, that that's that's makes sense. A lucky it's, coincidence. Wow, yeah. It's like poetry rhymes. Um... <laughs> So, uh, yeah, so they start uh, scanning around, doing the little bleep, 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 with their little, like, electronic thingies. Uh, they do surveys, I guess, because they want to get intel of what's around there, which is, I guess, s- smart. I don't know exactly how they're doing that. You don't see him, like, scouting the area I mean, the is that really anything. that important, considering that they're going to blow it all up? <laughs> right. Right. That's what they think they're doing right now. A place that no longer exists. So, so O'Neill tells Daniel, "Okay, well, okay, we've been here, we've seen it. Let's go home now." And like, Daniel's like, "Wait, no, I can't do that." He's like, "What the fuck are you talking about? You said you you could do that." Well, he's like, "Well, I kind of need to find a stone with the symbols on it." And then like, <laughs> French Stewart gets really in his face about it. Completely justified. He'd, yeah, uh, no one is happy there because uh, most of them were not did not come to this planet to die. <laughs> yeah. He was like, wait, I, I got, I have a home to go back to. <laughs> yeah. I'm not, I'm just like, we're just like army guys, man. <laughs> we came here like just in case, but whatever. Um, we're army guys so, that are yeah, stationed that, that, in this US. We are doubly not expecting to die. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yeah. We're the invaders here. We're not like, yeah, we're not going to be the underdogs in any kind of fight or anything, whatever. <laughs> Okay, uh, sorry about that. We had ran into a little bit of technical trouble. New podcast, everyone. Uh, it's not going to be perfect. Doing our best. Uh, <laughs> um, so everyone is pretty pissed at Daniel at, right at this moment because he's like, yeah. We, we've all seen what he was telling the general and O'Neill that he was like for sure could be able to dial back. And now it's not quite that certain anymore. He says, I need to find a cartouche with symbols on it. And he needs to look around for that. And, like, they're surrounded by, for all they know, an entire planet full of desert. <laughs> and that's a pretty big space to look around in. Um, but they're all pretty pissed. And, like, O'Neill is extra, like, annoyed at this point because he was about to blow up the pyramid. And now he doesn't get to because he would kill everyone if he did that. And that wasn't the plan. He's, like, suicidal, but he's not homicidal yeah. uh, at this point. It's like, what one, did... One to uh, get in and get out. Quick mission. What did Daniel yeah, actually yeah, yeah. think was going to go on here? I mean, it took the like, it took a team of like hundreds of guys to find the original. We see that. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Well, the, that. the 
the original the, the, the one original on Earth, Stargate yeah. on Earth was buried with uh with the address. I suppose. Yeah, the cover stones and it had the it had the Abydos address on it. So he assumed that that stone would be around the Stargate, I guess, uh, like an analog to it that would have the Earth's coordinates like that, on it. That was the, I was the stone that said, this has been sealed for all time. <laughs> yeah, there's, the there's also that. Also, so if this is open, <laughs> then it wouldn't have that? Also, I, I love that at this point, everyone is clearly just assuming that there only exist two Stargates in the universe, and clearly they only exclusively reference one another. So that's what like he assumed would happen there that they would just be like oh there's a there's a phone number right here that says here's the only other phone you can possibly call with this thing and that's just the the coordinates yeah uh, weird assumption yeah and the the weird thing is he's kind of right it's just that it's not right there in the temple itself it's <laughs> elsewhere yeah um so anyway so at this point Brown is like, well, can't they just like dial dial here and we walk back? And Freddy says, no, you idiot. That's not. It's not portal. This isn't how the stargates work. I mean, they're only one way. Even though I don't know why Freddy is the one who knows this, but yeah, he's like, the one. How, how do any again? How do they know this? They, they've opened this thing twice. <laughs> like they, they, he's he's read the Carter report, I guess, and no one else has. Maybe I don't know. See, uh, once again. Samantha Carter and ca- casting a large shadow over this movie because clearly she's pulling some being, strings. Being behind the only the confident there. person, but still, uh, uh-huh. still at home. That's why. Uh-huh. That's why they kept her. Yep, yep, yep. They couldn't risk her going on the nuke mission right there. Also, she's a girl, and like girls don't go on like army missions or anything, which is something we're gonna get back to early in SG One. Yeah. Um, so anyway. Um, so Freddy is like very angry at Daniel, and Daniel is like, "Well, what's up, guys?" He has his luggage. He's just dragging himself over to the campsite. He's like, "Well, I'm gonna sit down here and chill. Take it easy, because we're gonna be here a while." And- Meanwhile, cut to the Stargate, and O'Neill is just taking on his nuke, and he wants to blow up that fucking nuke so bad right now. Come on, I came all the way over here with a nuke to kill myself, and I now I, I'm not gonna do that. It sucks. That's what, anyway, you know. Yeah. <laughs> so Daniel takes this opportunity to sit down and like examine his <laughs> pouches and like just go, "What's in there? I wonder what I brought over with on this trip." Like his, I guess, standard military survival kit that he has in his pouches. And like Freddy is very angry at him for this because like, he's no, like, "Hey, go, go do your fuck job." What? <laughs> <laughs> do your fucking job we're stranded here we trusted you good point Freddy like for someone who barely gets anything to do for the rest of the series I kind of like him in this one scene anyway uh, he picks up like Daniel's big luggage full of books and kind of yeets it into the desert where it spreads open like blows all his books in the sand and wind so yeah, I guess that he showed him yep showed him and Daniel goes after it and tries to gather his books right there um so we cut back to jack who's finished putting the nuke together and like hides it back up into the cart thing because kowalski comes down and tells him well the camp is set up we're all (laughs) we're in for the long haul i guess uh almost spots the detonator in o'neill's hand he hides it at the last second uh clearly this is a secret 
And then we cut back to Daniel, who has given up on getting all his books, and he is now enjoying a delicious chocolate bar in the <laughs> desert. Which this thing has got to be melty as all hell. It can't possibly be very. Uh, it's pleasant to it's eat. It's some like military protein bar thing. That's no actual chocolate. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, okay, yeah, he's, that would explain he's, it. He's eating he's eating uh, 3000 calories right there. Right. <laughs> that's his meal for the whole day right there. <laughs> that's a, that's like a desert storm ration, so it was built for that kind of weather, I guess. Um so while he's sitting Assuming down it's and not enjoying it makes me feel a lot better about what's about what he's about to try doing. Uh-huh. Mm. Yeah, 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 for sure. <laughs> Poisoning an, an innocent animal. Um <laughs> so he spots track in the tracks in the sand as he's sitting down to enjoy his bar. Uh, he follows them, and just over the next dune, there's a big old uh, banther right there, I guess, but it's not quite that. It's like an alien. Yeah. yeah, it's just some kind of hairy alien Jim Henson puppet creature right there. So, that's cool. Uh, <laughs> wait. <laughs> my, uh, okay, my stream was acting up, sorry. Uh, cut back to the camp. O'Neill's like, well, the fuck is Daniel? And then we cut back to Daniel, and he's looking at the thing that's eating a little bush of greens in the desert. And uh, Daniel approaches the thing, and he's like... Because that's what yeah. you do to wild animals. The wild, wild animal of a species you've, nev- you've never heard of before in your life is probably fine, but, you know... So the first thing like the animal does is sniff the, the protein bar and <laughs> Daniel's like, all right, sure, have some. This thing would kill a dog on Earth, but I'm going to give it to an alien creature. <laughs> Which is what O'Neill immediately no points out when doing. he walks over there. <laughs> so, dude, do you know anything except hieroglyphs? Seriously. Um, <laughs> can't draw the board, doesn't know what to feed animals. So Daniel at least, like does come to the point that he spotted a harness on this animal, which proves that there are people there that domesticated this animal, which is a good point. But he doesn't really have much time to make that point because the, <laughs> the, the beast startled, runs off into the desert, and the harness that's dragging in the desert behind him wraps around Daniel's leg and starts dragging him around in the desert for a funny little short sequence of... Daniel being dragged in the, in the desert while the rest of the army guys run after him. Eventually, the animal stops and the, the soldiers catch up to them and he's like, ah, it's funny, good boy, good boy. And we're gonna <laughs> stop right there for now because we are 40 minutes into this movie, which is exactly a third of it. Um, so yeah, that was the first third of Stargate, the movie, 1994. <laughs> Uh, I don't really know how to conclude this. Uh, well, uh, it's not if, really a conclusion. We're uh, just kind of rolling over into a bridge, I guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so uh, join us next time. We'll recover the middle third of this uh, movie. In the meantime, you can find uh, the Twitter account associated with this profile at Jaffa Takes on Twitter. Uh, if you want to follow this account to, to get like podcast updates or send any questions in, you can. You can also send any questions you might have to jaffatakespodcast at gmail.com. So we're probably going to have a little like listener feedback section in this podcast in the future. Obviously, we don't have anything right now. Uh, might not mention this again if we don't get any emails because... You know, it's better than to go to beg for emails, I guess. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, 
So yeah, uh, join us next time for the second uh, third of uh, Stargate, where we get to meet the people of Abydos, and uh, I think also the bad guys of this series also show up in the next episode. Um, uh, Kavika, is there anything you want to say or plug or uh, Twitters you want to mention that people can join you at? No, no, I'm just uh, I'm excited to uh, to uh, learn what Baba Way means. <laughs> <laughs> Body what? Uh, M. Anything uh, you want to plug? Yeah, I'm M. Uh, you can find me at Michael of Healy at at Twitter. And yeah, that's about it. Okay. Uh, as for me, I'm also on Teenagers with Attitude, which is a Stargate. Re- uh, sorry, not a Stargate. A Power Rangers. Uh, <laughs> podcast uh that's also hosted on audio entropy uh if you if you don't listen to it uh we're up to lost galaxy so there's like 500 episodes of that on there already cool. where <laughs> if you want to get into another show that is a let's say a different uh tone and caliber than stargate is uh feel free uh enjoy uh subscribe to it uh also yeah, I don't host that other show, so I'm not used to be the one that closes the the, the podcast. But uh, I guess Cree, everyone, and Cree. I'll see you next time. <laughs>